0: Chapter 18 of Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Anderson. Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm by Kate Douglas Wiggin. Chapter 18. Rebecca represents the family. There was another milestone. It was more than that. It was an event. An event that made a deep impression in several quarters, and left a wake of smaller events in its train. This was the coming to Riverboro of the Reverend Amos Birch and wife, returned missionaries from Syria, THE AID SOCIETY HAD CALLED ITS MEETING FOR A CERTAIN WEDNESDAY IN MARCH OF THE YEAR IN WHICH REBECCA ENDED HER RIVERBORO SCHOOL DAYS, AND BEGAN HER STUDIES AT Wareham. IT WAS A RAW, BLUSTERING DAY, SNOW ON THE GROUND, AND A LOOK IN THE SKY OF MORE TO FOLLOW. BOTH MIRANDA AND JANE HAD TAKEN COLD, AND DECIDED THAT THEY COULD NOT LEAVE THE HOUSE IN SUCH WEATHER. And this deflection from the path of duty worried Miranda, since she was an officer of the society. After making the breakfast table sufficiently uncomfortable, and wishing plaintively that Jane wouldn't always insist on being sick at the same time she was, she decided that Rebecca must go to the meeting in their stead. "'You'll be better than nobody, Rebecca,' she said flatteringly. "'Your Aunt Jane shall write an excuse from afternoon school for you. "'You can wear your rubber boots "'and come home by the way of the meetin' house. "'This Mr. Birch, if I remember right, "'used to know your grandfather Sawyer "'and stayed here once when he was candidatin'. "'He'll maybe look for us there, "'and you must just go and represent the family "'and give him our respects. "'Be careful how you behave. "'Bow your head in prayer.' sing all the hymns but not too loud and bold ask after miss strout's boy tell everybody what awful colds we've got if you see a good chance take your pocket handkerchief and wipe the dust off the melodeon before the meeting begins and get 25 cents out of the sitting room matchbox in case there should be a collection rebecca willingly assented anything interested her EVEN A VILLAGE MISSIONARY MEETING, AND THE IDEA OF REPRESENTING THE FAMILY WAS RATHER INTOXICATING. THE SERVICE WAS HELD IN THE SUNDAY SCHOOL ROOM, AND ALTHOUGH THE REVEREND MR. BIRCH WAS ON THE PLATFORM WHEN REBECCA ENTERED, THERE WERE ONLY A DOZEN PERSONS PRESENT. FEELING A LITTLE SHY AND CONSIDERABLY TOO YOUNG FOR THIS ASSEMBLAGE, REBECCA SOUGHT THE SHELTER OF A FRIENDLY FACE and seeing Mrs. Robinson in one of the side seats near the front, she walked up the aisle and sat beside her. Both my aunts had bad colds, she said softly, and sent me to represent the family. That's Mrs. Birch on the platform with her husband, whispered Mrs. Robinson. She's awful tanned up, ain't she? If you're going to save souls, seems like you have to part with your complexion. Doxy Morton ain't come yet. I hope to the land she will, or Miss Deacon. Millican'll pitch the tunes where we can't reach him with a ladder. Can't you pitch afore she gets her breath and clears her throat? Mrs. Birch was a slim, frail little woman with dark hair, a broad, low forehead, and patient mouth. She was dressed in a well-worn black silk. "'and looked so tired that Rebecca's heart went out to her. "'They're poor as Job's turkey,' whispered Mrs. Robinson. "'But if you give them anything, "'they turn right around and give it to the heathen. "'His congregation up to Parsonfield, club together, "'and give him that gold watch he carries. "'I suppose he had handed that over, too. "'Only heathens always tell time by the sun "'and don't need watches. You doxy ain't comin' Now for MASSEY'S sake, Rebecca do get ahead of Miss Deacon Milliken and pitch real low The meeting began with prayer, and then the Reverend Mr Birch announced to the tune of Menden Church of our God I arise and shine, bright with the beams of truth divine, then shall thy radiance stream afar wide as the heathen nations are. "'Gentiles and kings thy light shall view, "'and shall admire and love thee, too. "'They come like clouds across the sky, "'as doves that to their windows fly. "'Is there anyone present who will assist us "'at the instrument?' he asked unexpectedly. "'Everybody looked at everybody else, and nobody moved, "'and then there came a voice out of a far corner "'saying informally, "'Rebecca, why don't you?' It was Mrs. Cobb Rebecca could have played Menden in the dark, so she went to the melodeon and did so without any ado. No member of her family being present to give her self-consciousness. The talk that ensued was much the usual sort of thing. Mr. Birch made impassioned appeals for the spreading of the gospel and added his entreaties that all who were prevented from visiting in person the peoples who sat in darkness should contribute liberally to the support of others who could. But he did more than this. He was a pleasant, earnest speaker, and he interwove his discourse with stories of life in a foreign land, of the manners, the customs, the speech, the point of view, even giving glimpses of the daily round, the common task of his own household, the work of his devoted helpmate and their little group of children all born under Syrian skies. Rebecca sat entranced, having been given the key of another world. Riverboro had faded, the Sunday school room with mrs Robinson's red plaid shawl and Deacon Milliken's wig on crooked, the bare benches and torn hymn books. The hanging texts and maps were no longer visible, and she saw blue skies and burning stars, white turbans and gay colors. Mr. Birch had not said so, but perhaps there were mosques and temples and minarets and date-palms. What stories they must know, those children born under Syrian skies! Then she was called upon to play, Jesus Shall Reign, Where'er THE SUN. The contribution-box was passed, and Mr. Birch prayed. As he opened his eyes and gave out the last hymn, he looked at the handful of people, at the scattered pennies and dimes in the contribution-box, and reflected that his mission was not only to gather funds for the building of his church, but to keep alive, in all these remote and lonely neighborhoods, that love for the cause, which was its only hope in the years to come. If any of the sisters will provide entertainment, he said, Mrs. Birch and I will remain among you to and to In that event, we could hold a parlor meeting. My wife and one of my children would wear the native costume. We would display some specimens of Syrian handiwork and give an account of our educational methods with the children. These informal parlor meetings... ADMITTING OF QUESTIONS OR CONVERSATION ARE OFTEN THE MEANS OF INTERESTING THOSE NOT COMMONLY FOUND AT CHURCH SERVICES, SO I REPEAT, IF ANY MEMBER OF THE CONGREGATION DESIRES IT AND OFFERS HER HOSPITALITY, WE WILL GLADLY STAY AND TELL YOU MORE OF THE LORD'S WORK. A PALL OF SILENCE SETTLED OVER THE LITTLE ASSEMBLY. THERE WAS SOME COGENT REASON WHY EVERY SISTER THERE WAS DISINCLINED FOR COMPANY. Some had no spare room. Some had a larder less well stocked than usual. Some had sickness in the family. Some were unequally yoked together with unbelievers who disliked strange ministers. mrs Birch's thin hands fingered her black silk nervously. Would no one speak? thought Rebecca, her heart fluttering with sympathy. mrs Robinson leaned over and whispered significantly, THE MISSIONARIES ALWAYS USED TO BE ENTERTAINED AT THE BRICK HOUSE. YOUR GRANDFATHER NEVER WOULD LET HIM SLEEP ANYWHERE ELSE WHEN HE WAS ALIVE. SHE MEANT THIS FOR A STAB AT MISS MIRANDA'S PARSIMONY, REMEMBERING THE FOUR SPARE CHAMBERS CLOSED FROM JANUARY TO DECEMBER. BUT REBECCA THOUGHT IT WAS INTENDED AS A SUGGESTION. IF IT HAD BEEN A FORMER CUSTOM, PERHAPS HER AUNTS WOULD WANT HER TO DO THE RIGHT THING. FOR WHAT ELSE WAS SHE REPRESENTING THE FAMILY? SO DELIGHTED THAT DUTY LAY IN SO PLEASANT A DIRECTION, SHE ROSE FROM HER SEAT AND SAID IN THE PRETTY VOICE, AND WITH THE QUAINT MANNER THAT SO SEPARATED HER FROM ALL THE OTHER YOUNG PEOPLE IN THE VILLAGE, "'MY AUNTS, MISS MIRANDA AND MISS JANE SAWYER, WOULD BE VERY HAPPY TO HAVE YOU VISIT THEM AT THE BRICK HOUSE. AS THE MINISTERS ALWAYS USED TO DO WHEN THEIR FATHER WAS ALIVE, THEY SENT THEIR RESPECTS BY ME.' The respects might have been the freedom of the city, or an equestrian statue, when presented in this way, and the ants would have shuddered could they have foreseen the manner of delivery. But it was vastly impressive to the audience, who concluded that Mirandy Sawyer must be making her way uncommonly fast to mansions in the sky, else what meant this abrupt change of heart? Mr. Birch bowed courteously accepted the invitation in the same spirit in which it was offered, and asked Brother Milliken to lead in prayer. If the eternal ear could ever tire, it would have ceased long ere this to listen to Deacon Milliken, who had wafted to the throne of grace the same prayer with very slight variations for forty years. Mrs. Perkins followed. She had several petitions at her command good, sincere ones, too, but a little cut and dried, made of scripture texts laboriously woven together. Rebecca wondered why she always ended at the most peaceful sessions with the form, Do thou be with us, God of battles, while we strive onward like Christian soldiers, marching as to war. But everything sounded real to her today. She was in a devout mood, AND MANY THINGS MR. Birch HAD SAID HAD MOVED HER STRANGELY. AS SHE LIFTED HER HEAD, THE MINISTER LOOKED DIRECTLY AT HER AND SAID, WILL OUR YOUNG SISTER CLOSE THE SERVICE BY LEADING US IN PRAYER? EVERY DROP OF BLOOD IN REBECCA'S BODY SEEMED TO STAND STILL, AND HER HEART ALMOST STOPPED BEATING. MRS. COBB'S EXCITED BREATHING COULD BE HEARD DISTINCTLY IN THE SILENCE. There was nothing extraordinary in Mr. Birch's request. In his journeyings among country congregations, he was constantly in the habit of meeting young members who had experienced religion, and joined the church when nine or ten years old. Rebecca was now thirteen. She had played the melodeon, led the singing, delivered her aunt's invitation with an air of great worldly wisdom. And he... CONCLUDING THAT SHE MUST BE A YOUTHFUL PILLAR OF THE CHURCH, CALLED UPON HER WITH THE UTMOST SIMPLICITY. REBECCA'S PLIGHT WAS PATHETIC. HOW COULD SHE REFUSE? HOW COULD SHE EXPLAIN SHE WAS NOT A MEMBER? HOW COULD SHE PRAY BEFORE ALL THESE ELDERLY WOMEN? JOHN ROGERS AT THE STAKE HARDLY SUFFERED MORE THAN THIS POOR CHILD. FOR THE MOMENT, AS SHE ROSE TO HER FEET, FORGETTING THAT LADIES PRAYED SITTING, while deacons stood in prayer. Her mind was a maze of pictures that the Reverend Mr. Birch had flung on the screen. She knew the conventional phraseology, of course, what New England child accustomed to Wednesday evening meetings does not. But her own secret prayers were different. However, she began slowly and tremulously, "'Our Father, who art in heaven,' THOU ART GOD IN SYRIA JUST THE SAME AS IN MAINE. OVER THERE today ARE BLUE SKIES AND YELLOW STARS AND BURNING SUNS. THE GREAT TREES ARE WAVING IN THE WARM AIR, WHILE HERE THE SNOW LIES THICK UNDER OUR FEET. BUT NO DISTANCE IS TOO FAR FOR GOD TO TRAVEL, AND SO HE IS WITH US HERE AS HE IS WITH THEM THERE. AND OUR THOUGHTS RISE TO HIM AS DOVES THAT TO THEIR WINDOWS FLY. WE CANNOT ALL BE MISSIONARIES, TEACHING PEOPLE TO BE GOOD. SOME OF US HAVE NOT LEARNED YET HOW TO BE GOOD OURSELVES. BUT IF THY KINGDOM IS TO COME, AND THY WILL IS TO BE DONE ON EARTH AS IT IS IN HEAVEN, EVERYBODY MUST TRY, AND EVERYBODY MUST HELP, THOSE WHO ARE OLD AND TIRED, AND THOSE WHO ARE YOUNG AND STRONG. THE LITTLE CHILDREN OF WHOM WE HAVE HEARD, Those born under Syrian skies have strange and interesting work to do for thee, and some of us would like to travel in far lands and do wonderful brave things for the heathen and gently take away their idols of wood and stone. But perhaps we have to stay at home and do what is given us to do, sometimes even things we dislike. But that must be what it means in the hymn we sang, when it talked about the sweet perfume that rises with every morning sacrifice. This is the way that God teaches us to be meek and patient, and the thought that He has willed it so should rob us of our fears and help us bear the years. Amen. Poor little ignorant fantastic child! Her petition was simply a succession of lines from the various hymns, and images the minister had used in his sermon— But she had her own way of recombining and applying these things, even of using them in a new connection, so that they had a curious effect of belonging to her. The words of some people might generally be written with a minus sign after them, the minus meaning that the personality of the speaker subtracted from, rather than added to, their weight. But Rebecca's words might always have borne the plus sign, THE AMEN SAID SHE SAT DOWN, OR PRESUMED SHE SAT DOWN, ON WHAT SHE BELIEVED TO BE A BENCH, AND THERE WAS A BENEDICTION. IN A MOMENT OR TWO, WHEN THE ROOM CEASED SPINNING, SHE WENT UP TO MRS. Birch, WHO KISSED HER AFFECTIONATELY, AND SAID, MY DEAR, HOW GLAD I AM THAT WE ARE GOING TO STAY WITH YOU. WILL HALF-PAST FIVE BE TOO LATE FOR US TO COME? IT IS THREE NOW, AND WE HAVE TO GO TO THE STATION FOR A VALISE and for our children. We left them there, being uncertain whether we should go back or stop here. Rebecca said that half-past five was their supper hour, and then accepted an invitation to drive home with Mrs. Cobb. Her face was flushed, and her lip quivered in a way that Aunt Sarah had learned to know. So the homeward drive was taken almost in silence, The bleak wind and Aunt Sarah's quieting presence brought her back to herself, however, and she entered the brick house cheerily. Being too full of news to wait in the side entry to take off her rubber boots, she carefully lifted a braided rug into the sitting-room and stood on that while she opened her budget. "'There are your shoes warming by the fire,' said Aunt Jane. "Slip them right on while you talk.'" End of Chapter 18